This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Workouts need to be fun, man. All my workouts now are in the front yard, barefoot in the grass with a kettlebell. And it's play. Play is extremely healthy, but more micromanagement. We do enough of that at work. So let's get back to play. Let's not worry about the method. Let's not worry about how many reps. Set a timer for 10 minutes. Do as many good slam balls as you can. Who cares how many there were? This is the playground. We are going to be aggressive, and that's got to be your default mode. The good deals that you think are going to come to you in the world, they're not going to come knocking on your door. You got to go out and make them happen. You've got to innovate and adapt all the time. The battlefield is always changing. It'll only stop if you stop. And I think that's when it's hardest to innovate and adapt is when things are going well. And when you stop, the enemy's going to get ahead of you and you're going to lose. Most underperformers don't need to be fired, they need to be led. The real accountability I think you got to look at is yourself. When you're in that moment when you think, okay, the pressure's off, whether it's in your business or whether it's in your life, when you have that pause that you think everything's okay, it's not. The enemy is actually maneuvering on you. When plans get too complex, people can't understand them and things go wrong. So you got to keep things simple. We are all in conflict. And if we recognize that we're in conflict, we can also recognize that there's a winner and a loser. The way that you train, the way that you plan, the way you prepare, and most importantly, the way that you lead is going to dictate the outcome. If we don't work together as a team, we're going to get killed. When you find something you want to make it happen, make it happen! extreme introduction to the Warrior You podcast that we've had yet. Anyway, there we go. What do you think of that? That was Jocko, Willick, Leif, Babin, and the gang. Extreme Ownership Muster 009, December 4th and 5th, 2019. If you use the special Warrior You discount code, Warrior You, all one word, you will get about $1,200 off. The retail price, $1,200 off for using Warrior U, all one word in capitals, as a discount code, www.echelonfront.com forward slash muster dash 009. That's www.echelonfront.com forward slash muster dash 009. It's a two-day intensive leadership training course designed to equip attendees with the tools needed to build high-performance winning teams. Jocko Willink, Leif Babin, and the Echelon Front Team teach combat leadership techniques and how to apply these principles in business and life. Even more profound are the opportunities to engage with other highly motivated individuals and leaders in every capacity. Guess what? I'll be there. So, you know, so you'll get that too. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't seem that big a deal, does it? Anyway, I'll be there. They'll be there. 
let's all be there. There's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the morning, as I understand, uh, as well as a whole heap of sessions making you better than you were yesterday as a leader. All right, that's enough. Let's get on with the show. Alrighty, this week my conversation is with Coach Joe DiStefano, Coach Jody. For eight years, Joe is the head of sport and training at Spartan Race. Now, Joe is the founder of Runga, R-U-N-G-A, Runga, which is an experiential lifestyle brand. Joe helps to empower individuals through effective and sustainable practices that fuel health, wellness and performance. His teachings focus on reinforcing mindset shifts that give people the courage and the tools to align their actions with their objectives. Let me tell you, this conversation is Human Optimization 101. We discuss training as a circuit breaker for PTSD, understanding the primary drivers for why we exercise, searching and aligning with our life's purpose, snowball effects of learning better habits, so for instance, drinking more water, consuming no sugar, and not eating junk food. We discuss the power of learning meditation and self-care, and we also talk about making workouts fun, cold water therapy, and Joe's mate, Ben Greenfield. Ben is a personal hero of mine and the actual reason I started this podcast, so I'm going to give him a shout out, hopefully get him on the show a little bit later on for all you endurance self-hackathon freaks. Before we get into the podcast, a shout out to my sponsors this week and some amazing deals for you. Firstly, this month, World of Tanks is sponsoring the podcast for the next four weeks. World of Tanks is a free-to-play PC game, and it's had a decade of growth and success. They also know they have a huge veteran following, from Vietnam veterans to the modern young veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan. So, throughout November, they are giving a shout-out to the veteran community. They are featuring veteran interviews, too. Kickstarting this series is a chat from former pro World of Tanks player and Afghan Iraq war veteran Ben Bowler. You can register for World of Tanks by following the link in the show notes or visiting www.tanks.ly forward slash warrior one and entering in warrior U W O T, all capitals, warrior U W O T, W O T, of course, for World of Tanks. That goes into the redeem code section. And you'll receive three days of premium time, uh, a new tank to fight with, and much more. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by my main sponsor, Aussie Strength and also Ironside Coffee. Both are veteran-owned businesses. Ironside Coffee is also supporting the Echelon Front Muster in December. Check out the Ironside Coffee website for so much more than just coffee and it's home delivered. Or go and check them out at the Majura Range Complex in the mornings. Um, Coach Joe... Welcome to the yeah, welcome to the Warrior You podcast. I'm really really happy to have you on. Um, I've had a few big names on the podcast, but I haven't been as excited to talk to anyone as I am to talk to you. I've been following you for a while, sort of in the background, and a lot of the stuff that you say makes a lot of sense to an old ex special forces guy such as myself that has been on a on a bit of a journey of self discovery. Why don't you tell? my listeners a little bit about who you are and, and your background and what you're working on at the moment. Sure thing, brother. And, and I appreciate that sincerely, you know, kind words. I, I try to put out what I can and I try to share information in a way that's digestible and, and, and gives people the tools that they need to kind of create some sustainable change in their lives. And so I appreciate it when guys like you that I respect and look up to kind of give me any kind words or words of admiration. It means a ton. So 
that's why we do what we do. You know, we're just trying to make people's lives better and, and again, give them these tools. And, and that's sort of, you know, what I'm here for is I believe in free medicine. You know, I believe that we have a lot of tools inside of us, everything from the way we think, the way we uh, spend our time, the, uh, the amount of time we get to get ourselves outdoors, the amount of self-care in our lives, the amount of exercise that we, uh, that we carry out in our lives, the number of steps a day. There are so many things that extend life expectancy that are free and that are easy. The only issue is the easier they are, the easier they are, they are not to do, right? So um, my journey, so just to kind of get back to your question, I grew up healthy in a very healthy household, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, I went to school, college, and was undeclared. But by the end of my first year, I had met a professor named Dr. Jeff Godin, who um, who really kind of put me on the path of of exercise physiology, exercise science, right? And um, I I just you know it was like drinking from a fire hose. This guy was just smartest guy, and you know super awesome, super active, great athlete. And I just appreciated and respected him so much. I wanted to learn every single thing that I could from him. And so I, um, you know, I jumped into the deep end of exercise physiology. And I don't think I had ever passed a science class in my life. But when I got to the call, when I got to university, I was so in it. I, I knew the, I began with the end in mind. You know what I mean? I knew my why. I knew what I was chasing. And I was chasing knowledge to help people move better and live pain-free and take care of themselves and live longer. You know, when I was in my mid-teens, I watched my dad have a heart, have a heart attack. And, you know, I, I learned from that. And I wanted to kind of improve people's lives. And I realized that, you know, I got I to gotta get buckled down and pass these classes if I'm going to make a change. So yeah. um, between UI and, UI and the wall, right, and, and the other million listeners, you know, it's funny because when I look back at my college grades, I was so in my, my major. I had like a 3.9 GPA. But all my other classes outside my major, I was awful. They were like, you know, terrible grades. So I just maximized. And this is kind of an element that I teach now. Maximization versus optimization. So I could have evenly distributed my efforts and maybe had a, a 3.0 GPA overall or a 3.2. But if you look, I had a 3.8, 3.9 in my major and like a 2.0 overall, right? Because I basically just did terrible in all the other classes. So that would be a maximization strategy. And I think that those in general, when we kind of get into them without consciousness, they can be dangerous. And, mm. you know, the best example of that is chasing wealth. Mm. And, you know, mm. when you're chasing money, you're doing something for the wrong reason. This is a maximization strategy. And, you know, you end up 40 and rich, but you're divorced and your kids don't talk to you, Got right? Yes. So mm. getting people to understand that, like, it's okay to maximize, but sometimes we need to optimize. And I think as I get into my own story a little bit more, uh, one of the big conundrums or things, the challenges that I think we got ourselves into over the past two decades that I've been coaching people is everybody wanted to get healthy, but we thought health and fitness were the same thing. Yep. And so what happened was somebody wanted to live longer or lose weight they thought they needed to take the elbow drop to the face in the gym every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to get there when that couldn't be further from the truth. They in can fact, be, they'd be fit, uh, but they're not healthy. Right. Yeah. You can be fit and not healthy. You can be healthy and not fit. You can be well and not healthy. You can mm, be everything. Mm, mm. So I think we started exercising way too hard, 
way too intensely. Uh, and, and we didn't elevate our lifestyle or our morning routine or our habits or our nutrition or our social circles or mm-hmm. our relationships mm. in a way that could optimize everything. Yeah. So we maximized fitness, but that came at a cost. And so now we're trying to fix that. And that's a big part of what I'm doing now with my latest project is called Runga. And I'll get to that in just a sec. But mm. so when we think, when we think about sort of, um, this journey of maximization, I drank from the fire hose. I jumped into the deep end exercise science, signed myself up for all kinds of endurance races, but I also love to train really hard too, you know? So, uh, lift weights, try to get strong, try to get big. Also wanted to run. So now I'm running 50, 60, 70 miles a week on top of that. Basically just burned myself out. And, and a piece that I left out is, um, in my, you know, earlier days, I had a horrific head injury, fractured my skull, traumatic brain injury, this whole thing. And we're very resilient, especially when we're young. So it took about a decade for those symptoms to kind of manifest. And when they began to manifest was when I was exercising at this extremely high level and getting quote, as fit as I've ever been, fittest I've ever been, you know, but how come this is when all my symptoms arise? Yeah. And the answer is, Jesus. and the answer is cumulative stress, right? So if you're, you know, if you're uh, exercising too hard, you can throw your body in this negative spiral, just as, uh, just as gambling would, or just as unhealthy relationships would. Stress is stress. You know, a sauna is stressful. That's why it's good for you in small doses. Mm. Uh, a cold cold tank is great for you, but don't stay in for forty five minutes. You're gonna freeze your balls off. You know what I mean? So there's this like, there's this magic mix and I overdosed on exercise and it really confounded a lot of the health symptoms that I was dealing with. And this was back in 2007. And basically for about a year and a half, I quit exercise, went, went on this really bizarre diet that everyone around me said I was crazy to do. And it was going to kill me and give me heart disease. And that's called now the keto diet because where, where the keto diet uh, those, you know, a high ketone level is very therapeutic for those conditions. So I jumped into that, jumped into that, you know, cleaned up the diet and symptoms started to improve. And I still live with little things today, but it's nothing. If I keep my stress down, it's very manageable. So that's really been my, my guiding light now. Sorry to talk your ear off, but, um, 2010, a couple of years after that, I, I was fortunate to kind of collide with a, a company called Spartan Race, which I know is big in Australia as well. Yeah. So I spent eight years or so with them. Uh, and maybe that'll come up again because I know you like to chat about mental toughness and well, I want to talk about I want to talk about Ben Greenfield a little bit later on because I know that you know <laughs> you know Ben and yeah. we'll get to that though we'll we'll get to talking about the the God that is yeah. Ben Greenfield. Sure, he's a he's a great friend. Uh, but so today my primary focus is is Runga, and Runga is an experiential wellness mm. brand yeah. that is specializing in helping people identify their true purpose and mm. aligning with that and understanding the difference between well, wellness, health, and fitness. In fact, reshaping or redefining how they look at two big areas of our life, and that's time and energy. I'm not sure that Runga is that legitimate, though, because you use kettlebells and not burpees, mate. <laughs> uh, dude, I, you know, it's funny. When I left Spartan, I was like, I don't think I'll ever do a burpee again. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. I can't see a need. <laughs> I remember, I remember you saying that I've, I was pissing myself yeah. laughing for, for a long time uh, after that. Um, 
But the, uh, the kettlebell does take – it does have a special place in, in your sort of, you know, heart, doesn't it, the kettlebell? It does. The fan bike, the kettlebell, every single Rungo event I bring – all the fan bikes in, I bring all the kettlebells in because I just think these tools are the best for performance, health, wellness, fitness. And they provide me with tools that enabled me to empower people to understand their bodies and how to efficiently Mm. get what we would call fit. And this ties into that energy production thing. It's not, there's no hard exercise at Runga. Mm. We don't kick, we don't kick people's butts. We teach them how to move. We use kettlebells, you know, as, as a means of, of essentially loaded yoga, right. Mm. You know, so we teach them the swing. We really love to get up. Um, and then on the fan bikes, you know, we don't do Tabatas. We do four minute blocks with breath holds because we want to really optimize how your body kind of takes oxygen and, and expels carbon dioxide. And we want to optimize and maximize your physiology in a way that's not beating the hell out of you, but actually improving your body's ability to create energy, not expend energy in the workout. I want to improve your ability to produce energy the the other 23 hours in the day. I don't want to expend it all in 45 minutes. Yeah. You, I saw, I saw um, that you had a fan bike and kettlebells as do I in my garage. And the one thing I was missing that, that you have is a, uh, a slam ball. So I went and bought, I went and bought a slam ball not long after seeing you work out with one. And what that taught me was that I have a, a lot of pent up aggression and, (laughs) and B as an aging athlete, as a 45 year old athlete, I want to throw shit around a lot. I assume that's got something to do with natural testosterone production. And the fact that you the more you throw it around, the better you feel, the more testosterone you, you, you're sort of creating, which is a perpetuating cycle of now I want to go and throw the slam ball around again. Oh, yeah, man. The slam ball is amazing. And what I like about it, like I said, it's, uh, you know, at Rungo, we specialize in a very particular type of training. But the slam ball is amazing because form is, you know, essentially becomes a non-issue. You know, I, I really got into this when I was coaching some guys that were, you know, in their 50s and they'd never played a sport. And they're going to CrossFit and they're like, hey, we got snatches tonight. Mm. I'm like, barbell snatches, you're 50 years old. You never played a sport. You got knee pain. Like, like, get a slam ball as heavy as you want. You can't do it wrong. There's no learning curve. And you can get fit as a hell. It's true. So, yeah, yeah, man, it's when you take out that learning curve uh, and you just go right for the intensity when you need it, there's, there's almost no better tool out there. No, and I've been doing things like – I get up in the morning and go and jump in the in the pool. It's pretty cold at the moment, um, freezing. And then go yeah. into the garage and do 10 sets of 10 30-kilogram slam balls with 10 seconds rest in between. And that hands me my ass. There you, go. <laughs> you know, like, and that's that's freezing cold and then movement. And you feel alive. And if if you're someone who is depressed or, or even PTSD or something like that, that would be a circuit breaker in my mind. Because mm. your brain doesn't have time to dwell or think about anything other than the fact that, you know, A, you're now, you've just woken up and now you're freezing cold and now you're in the garage and now you've got this 30 kilogram ball and your mission is to pick that bloody thing up and throw it a hundred yeah. times. And that's your mission. That's it. There's no, there's no, there's nowhere for your brain to go off into la la land and feel sorry for yourself or to feel depressed or feel upset or, and it's just a, such a great circuit breaker. 
100% my man now. Now, I hope after the workout, you know, you go and your wife gives you a hug or something like that. The No, I just, because, I just go and eat a huge steak. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that's a hug. That's a hug if I've ever seen one. So, you know, and that's, and that's one of the things, though, about, about kind of this direction that I'm kind of orienting myself and my brand with is, is there's nothing wrong with hard exercise as long as we understand the why, yeah. right? So yeah, if if there was a scenario, and and I'm just using your example as an example, is like so if if I'm feeling down and I you know I'm up in the morning and I I can't break I can't break the thoughts right I close my eyes and all the thoughts all the depression all the PTSD all the emotion is there and I need to go do the slam balls to break that pattern that's a great hack. That's a great fix. Now, if 30 minutes after I do the slam balls, those emotions come back, I'm not necessarily going to go back into the garage. Yeah. So when I understand my why, so my primary driver to exercise is habit, is, is, is thoughts break down, mm, right? Mm. Now I understand that in, in some regard for the, depending on the person, exercise then is a short-term fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So I would say use that use that Band-Aid, push yourself, test your limits, get that heart rate up. But when you come out of that workout and you're feeling amazing, you got the endorphins, write down things you're grateful for. Uh, connect with your, your significant other. Mm. Um, like, you know, look, you know, go hug your kids, make your kids breakfast. So we need to kind of create a scenario where, mm. where we're actually aligning with our life's purpose mm. and that we're not, not like, we're not actually running from Great. emotion. For some people, because I think that for some people, the circuit breaker is enough for some people, right. for some people, it's enough just to survive, I, I guess. But it's true what you say in 2014, I came off the back of, you know, doing a fairly decent time for a half Ironman straight into CrossFit and then was the fittest I'd ever been in my life. But I was probably lacking any direction and depressed. Not, not you know, more separation anxiety from leaving a high-performing team in the military than, than anything that had happened, any one thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, right. but I was medicating with, with training, with CrossFit at the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas now what I understand is I medicate by, well, it's not even medicating now, because I have a creative outlet through my books and through the podcast and, and through, through some film and TV type stuff. That to me is a purpose. So the purpose was actually what I was searching for. The training was the medication because I wasn't in the purpose. Now, now the training is because I like bloody slamming that ball. <laughs> I, like the, I, like the, I like the sound it makes when it, when it flops on the ground, you know, and I like, right. it, and I like having a six pack. Like it, it's just, you know, win-win man win-win uh no i'm i'm totally with you and i think that once you gain that awareness and and one of the reasons why i wanted to dive into that is because in my current coaching business i've got a lot of people that come in and their goals completely shift so maybe their goal was to run an iron man and after you know four or five weeks we realized that that goal was actually intimately tied to food addiction and the association was maximal caloric expenditure yeah. or, 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 or like shame and guilt, or mm. I need to like beat, beat the heck out of myself 
70 miles a week, et cetera, because I eat so poorly. Mm. And when you re when you change the relationship with food, the objective of exercise changes. Oh, so, can we, uh, when, yeah. when we're talking about food, I heard, her, I heard, you know, just a shout out to Ty Lopez. I don't know Ty, but a shout out to him. I heard him say something really smart the other day, which was, um, you know, the media goes on and on and on about Trump or the media goes on and on and on about politics or things that are happening at the moment. What they don't do is go on and on and on about something like my fitness power, which will change the lives of anyone who uses it, which I thought was an amazing thing for Ty to say. So he was talking about how this one tool, this free tool, my fitness power on, on your phone, on your smartphone, if you started tracking food, you would, you would change your, if you could just track all your food, you will change your body shape, period. Mm. And yet that's not a message that we're, that we're hearing at all through, through, through the media or through any free, or people like you and I are talking about it, but yeah. Right. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. It is, it is. And um, so I have, I have had a few words, especially on some Instagram stories and things about my fitness pal, just because they, you don't uh, track macros, do you? You don't, you're not, um, yeah, I know, I know, I know that. And I, and I don't anymore. I did. I'm better now from a more of a carnivore type approach to my food um, Mm. and and eating when I want to eat. But I do understand the benefit of, for people who are drinking a lot of soda and beer and, you know, the, the liquid calories right. just to have a, just to see what it looks like in a week. Yeah, man, definitely, you know, benefit to that. And if somebody is just kind of, you know, uh, you know, they're in the backseat of the Uber, you know what I mean? They're just kind of coasting through life with no awareness as to what they're putting in their body. Um, you know, that can be an incredible tool. I think, I think if it feels like a lot of work, or it mm. feels like it creates or it sucks time or it, because I think that most people, if I had to choose like, and I'm not saying it, you know, everybody doesn't have their own way of doing things and you're absolutely right. Like tracking your food can make a massive difference, but I would bet if I said, if I said person one, uh, I want you to track your food for the every day, everything you eat for two weeks. And then the other person, I just said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start each day with a glass of water. I want you 100% off sugar. I mean, no fruit. I mean, no nothing. Because I don't want, I don't even want a taste for sweetness in your life. (laughs) So I want no sugar and I want no fried food. I want no fried food, no sugar. And I want you to start a day with, start your day with water. And I don't want you to count macros. I don't want you to drink before. I don't want you to (laughs) I know why he's holding up the drink if the video is not, not on. Um, the person that is starting their day with a glass of water, cutting 100% of their sugar intake and not eating fried food, when you initiate or when you change something small in the direction of something, a healthier direction, you're more likely to, to pile on more healthy habits, right? Mm. So if we think about my fitness pal or any fitness tracker, we're externalizing sort of our, our responsibility, our, our sort of intuition, our, we're not guiding our intuition. We're actually just spending our time doing this and everyone says they don't have time to do anything. So if we make these other changes that kind of can create this more snowbally effect, I think people get better results and they feel like they didn't do any work. They didn't spend any time. It got easy. 
I didn't have a salad with chicken on it because that's what my diet plan said. I had a salad with chicken on it because when I was at the, the lunch place, I said, give me the salad and put some chicken on it, you know? So it's a completely different relationship. And yeah. uh, I really want to drive people's intuition. I want to, I want to make this easy. I want, I want the lowest hanging fruit. I want the free medicine. Mm. And um, I think that that's, I think, I think we always think there needs to be a method mm. or there needs to be, a, you know, and it's like, there is no method. Mm. The method is start your day with a 10 minute meditation where you, you don't quiet your mind. I don't expect everybody to be a Zen master on their first day meditating. All you got to do is keep your eyes closed for 10 minutes, stare between your eyebrows, whatever comes up, let it come in and let it go out. Don't judge it. Don't think about it. Try to focus yourself back and then do things like cut sugar, cut fried food, start your day with a glass of water that will kind of fuel little this, habits. This mm. self care. Yeah, man. It's, um, I hear because some. I hear some people saying, um, "Oh, running is my meditation," or, or things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I know you would have heard that. What What do you say to those people that that think that that's what they're doing? So I used to say that, and I'll tell you, man, I was full of crap. I used to say, like, you know, my running is, and I'm not against running. I mean, I've been training running athletes for the last eight years. But mm-hmm. when I would say, you know, I really love running because I get that euphoric runner's high, and da 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 da. In reality, man, I had a heart rate monitor on. I was like, I know I'm at 167 beats a minute. I'm going to drink this bottle every 15 minutes. That's got my, my sodium in it. I'm going to drink this one every half hour or 45 to some carbohydrate in it. So I think, again, when we're trying to think about all these things, we're really trying to like micromanage mm. a workout. Workouts need to be fun, man. All my workouts now are in the front yard, barefoot in the grass with a kettlebell. Awesome. It's, and it's play. Mm. It's play. And play is extremely healthy, but more micromanagement. We do enough of that at work. Yeah. So let's, let's get back to play. Let's, mm. let's not worry about the method. Mm. Let's not worry about how many reps. Set a timer for 10 minutes. Do as many good slam balls as you can. Mm. Who cares how many there were? Love it. You're, this, is, this is the playground. Yeah. I'm, I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm finding that I'm, I'm training things I like more. Mm. It's like, hey, I'm really, I really enjoy doing this, so I'll just go and do it. Like, and that could be, okay. yeah, and it could be gymnastics, or it could be playing with the kids, or you know, wrestling, BJJ. It could be, you know, as I said before, the slam balls. I might make up my own little workouts. Um, sometimes I take the rowing machine out out the back by the pool in the sun and just row. You know, and amazing. And occasionally, I've thought to myself you know what, I'm really keen to do an ultra marathon. I'm not going to train for it. That's, that's not the intent. I want to line up mm-hmm. on the thing and look around and go, right, most of these guys have trained for this 100 miler. Um, I just want to see if I can do it. And the furthest I've run in the last yeah. 10 years is 10K. Let's do this. Like that's, it's, a different, <laughs> it's, a different, it's a different, it's a different beast for me. Like for me, this is, this, is a, this is a harder challenge. This is mental. This isn't physical. You guys have all trained for this. I'm the tough guy right. here, not you. <laughs> I'm just going to run this thing. <laughs> hey, um, I, I, I know you love the whole cold water therapy, um, the cold shower in the morning, as long as it goes mm. under the armpits and down the small of your back. Um, Hell yeah, man. What's the, what's the logic between, or what's the, the logic behind the whole cold water therapy for the, for the average person? Like, what is it doing? Is it just making you mentally tougher or is it, 
is it actually something a little bit more spiritual than that? Yeah, man. Well, there's, there's so many benefits to, to cold immersion, but I do think like, let's be serious. I think one of the big benefits of a morning cold shower is to get you the heck out of your own head. Mm. So when you step into the cold shower, call it mental toughness, but honestly, after you do it for 30 days or so, it's not hard anymore. Um, but you always, you know, depending on where you live and how cold your water gets here in Southern California, we don't, the water is not very cold, but when I go home to, back to the East coast, it's, uh, it's a lot colder. So, um, that little shock in the morning is just so incredible. You, you activate your mammalian dive reflex. You, you, you learn to control the nervous system. You learn that there is stress and then there is thoughts about stress. And those are two different things. And often the thoughts about the stress are a lot worse. Mm. So if you stand in the cold water and you rationally think, you know, what's happening right now and is it really that bad as opposed to pretending you're dying or, or, you know, acting like this is the worst thing you've ever done, mm. then it perpetuates itself, right? Then it perpetuates. It's like going to the dentist when people, you know, they wait for the pain and it never comes, but they're anticipating it. As soon as the dentist puts a tool down, it's, uh, you know, so there's, there's so much of that. And so I like to kind of use the cold shower as a means of, of clearing that slate, but honestly it helps with blood sugar regulation. It helps you burn more fat, which is something that everybody wants to do. It helps with your recovery. I mean, there's a host of benefits mm. to longevity, performance. It's just a good practice. I, and um, I did have I did have times where I would do cold water immersion after after 10k tempo runs, and my and mm-hmm. and it was cold water immersion and then into the sauna straight from that and and. Yep. continue one to the other for, for about an hour. The recovery was incredible. And I assume that's got something yeah. to do with blood flow and oxygenation and mitochondria, all that sort of good stuff. You said it, man. We're just a big pump. Yeah. Our body is just a bunch of pumps. And when you go hot, cold, you open, close, open, close, mm. open, close, which is incredibly detoxifying, mm. incredible for recovery, blood flow, lymphatic. It's, it's all there. It's have you, the hot cold contrast. Have you seen the new IR saunas? Um, yeah. What do you think of them? The the home sort of sauna idea. Yeah, I got one. I yes. um, I've got a uh, awesome. I've got a. I, I absolutely love my sauna. It is a. Uh, hmm. It's a sunlighten, and it is this like. If I had it out, I would just turn the computer. But it's this. It looks almost like a. Um, it looks almost like a tanning bed. Mm. but I can, and it, it kind of, um, it kind of accordions mm. so that I live in a small 800 square foot. I don't know what that is in meters, but I live in a small beach house in Venice, California. So, Oh, the shame of it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a tough, I mean, it's a tough ride, but we don't have a lot of space. You know, you yeah. probably got all kinds of space at your house. I don't have space. So it's Australia. Yeah, you I've guys got, got, yeah. I mean, you got, I can see the palace behind you. Yeah. So, um, anyway, this thing, it stands up, goes in the closet, then I can take it out at accordion and it's incredible. It heats up rather quickly. Uh, gives me that, gives me that amazing sweat. I stay in there 20 or 30 minutes every morning, but, um, awesome. back to your question. Uh, I think that infrared saunas are way more user friendly, whether you have the space for something big or you don't, but you're basically detoxifying from the inside out as opposed to a conventional sauna that just heats, heats up the you know, hellish temperatures and that heat penetrates your body from the outside in right. infrared is sending, 
sending these infrared waves into your body and you're kind of, it's almost like, you know, I've compared it to a microwave, but that's not really accurate, but it's a little <laughs> bit close to that. Yeah. The one thing, the one thing that you got to be careful of is EMF. So you want to research your sauna. You want to make sure if you're going to get an infrared that it's a low EMF sauna mm. because you do not, you do not want to sit just baking in a bunch of EMF. I right. think let's not go down that rabbit hole, but just Google EMF and, and some of the pitfalls and downfalls and, and risks associated with heavy exposure. So mm. that's the one thing. And that's why I went with the sunlight and one. There's a, a few other brands as well that have low EMF saunas. So mm. The, the other important. the other thing I've heard you, um, well, I've read that, that you've talked about is IV therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. sure it's something in Australia that's very well known about. Certainly when I go to Los Angeles, I'm going to give it a crack. But as far as human optimization goes, longevity, anti-aging, that sort of thing, is this a way that you get um, more vitamins by, by an, an IV sort of drip mm-hmm. cannulation sort of thing? Is that what it, what that is? Yeah, yeah, sure. So depending on, you know, there, there's kind of two camps with the injections and the IVs. So there is sort of like, there's like optimization and then there's like cheating. Right. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So if we think of like optimization uh, for a healthy guy, healthy person, uh, something like a Myers cocktail, right? So when you inject a multivitamin directly into your vein, you're getting 100% absorption as opposed to taking a pill that God knows the quality and who knows how much of it you're actually going to get, right? So that's number one. Number two is if you have a deficiency and say it's B12 or vitamin D, which is incredibly common, it's, you know, 70% of Americans, I don't know about the Australians, but um, you can inject, you know, 50,000 IUs of vitamin D in two minutes, Mm. as opposed to, you know, taking two months to get that quantity into your system, right? So there's these sort of upgrades. Now, one of the things that I do probably more often than anything else is a glutathione drip. Now, glutathione is the body's master antioxidant, incredibly important to your immune system and your detoxification system. So with my, in my former life, I've actually cut back quite a bit on the travel, but glutathione injections were just core to when I was bouncing from China back to California, back to China, back to Boston, like those were keeping me alive, right? They were Mm. keeping me from getting sick. And whether there's placebo there or not, glutathione is is definitely something that is very effective in IV form, but not very effective uh, in supplementation, in supplement form. So I always opt for that. Now, the other camp now with the IVs, you've got like NAD, you've got, you know, peptides you can inject. And this is like cutting edge stuff. I don't do a ton of that stuff. Um, I play a little bit once in a while, but um, that is like real deal optimization. Mm. And I think that most of the time that's too what? costly for folks, the mm. average person to bordering to on cheating. That's much. Mm. So what is cheating? Anyway? Yeah. Bordering on, che- bordering on cheating. But yeah. um, I mean, I just want to give someone, you know, a quart of my own blood every day and have it pumped back into me every other day. I mean, that's, <laughs> Uh, but then that would be cheating. A little doping. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, but, sure. but, you know, that, there's human optimization. And I've heard you say it before, and we have, we've, you know, violently agree on this. Sleep is the ultimate optimization tool. And the thing that most people have got no idea that they're not getting enough on unless they track it in some way or at least understand that slowly but surely you can be creeping into your sleep time and it just, it kills you. 
man, I said, I love free medicine. There's nothing, there's mm. nothing more important. There is almost nothing more important than sleep. And I would say it's, it, it always cracks me up when, um, when I meet somebody or an athlete or a coaching client that has everything in the world, they got the, uh, the infrared sauna, they've got all the expensive medicine, but the free medicine, the steps per day, the sleep hours per night, these are the things that are lacking, even in folks that, that focus on everything else. You'll never get the benefit of sleep from a supplement. You'll never, ever get as much benefit to your system from a supplement or a sauna or a cold plunge or anything else as you will optimizing your sleep. It is the lowest hanging fruit. If we could all just sleep a little bit more mm. uh, and a little bit deeper when we do, um, the world would be an amazing place. And I was, I'm reading a book right now on sleep and I, I forget the name of it because I've got four or five in the rotation, but um, it's a new book on sleep. I could send it to you after the show. Uh, but he was referencing a study on uh, Greece mm. and this, this tourist area, this area that was not very touristy and then become to- became touristy over a period of years. These people were open for business in this region from, you know, call it eight o'clock in the morning until noon. And then they, everybody went home and slept one, two, three o'clock, and then everybody reopened at four o'clock, right? When the tourism started to really shuttle in, they had to get rid of nap time. They got rid of the siesta and they tracked these store owners and employees and their health just plummeted, Mm. right? So there's this, like, if we could all, and I know that's far-fetched, but if we could all take a nap every day, if somebody works from home and has the ability to take a nap in the afternoon, even for 10 minutes, it's, it's an incredibly valuable tool. And then at night where we kind of started Bram on this conversation, it might've been before the, the podcast was going, but talking about how we start our day mm. has a lot more to do with how we end it than we think. Right. So if we get, if we kind of gingerly and gracefully get our hormones on board in the morning, mm. we treat ourselves. We don't start our day too quickly. We don't roll out of bed and take a shot of espresso. Mm our hormones are more likely to fall in a healthier rhythm later. Mm. Now, if I roll out of bed, shoot the coffee before my body has had its chance to automatically or do its own thing, Mm. then I'm probably going to have some erratic hormones that might mean I'm going to end up waking up at one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning every night. Mm. It might mean that I have trouble falling asleep. I might wake up groggy because I can't get deep sleep. So um, whenever we chat about sleep, it's like, Tell me about the first two hours of your day. And then as we get closer to the evening, you know, there's a lot of other tricks that we can dive into if you want. Yeah. The, one of the things that I know through talking to my mate, Ian Dunican, he's a doctor in sleep. He has a PhD in, in sleep and recovery. I'll, I'll hook you guys up because he, he'd be good to, yeah. for you to, to, um, to have him on your podcast or, or to, to, to have him involved in your, in some of your business. But one of the things he says is that if you, if you're taking, um, a schooner or a large beer every night that that impacts your deep sleep REM by 15 minutes so if you if you have three of those a night that's you know that's now 45 minutes and it's compounding over time and and so one of the best ways to get a deep sleep is to not be drinking alcohol because even though you think alcohol is helping you go to sleep actually what it's doing is it's it's reducing the REM sleep and the quality of that REM 
sleep. And we should be doing nothing to impact the quality of our sleep. And that may be, you know, if you go out and have a few drinks, you know, you'd, you'd be hoping that it'd be in the afternoon, the early evening, not you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, and then go to bed at nine thirty because you're not recovering from that. Spot on. I think that the quality of sleep is everything. I think there's a difference between unconsciousness and sleep. <laughs> yeah. You know, so if we, if we think about you know the quality of sleep, you know, I've had nights where I only get five hours of sleep. Maybe I've got an early flight, and you know, you and I track. I'm sure you track your sleep in some way. Um, I've had nights where I only sleep five hours, but I might've got two and a half hours of deep sleep. Yes. Perfect. I'll take that. Mm -hmm. I'll take that over eight hours of sleep where I only got half an hour of deep. Mm. So there's this uh, quality over quantity thing. Um, Now research shows that you do need the quantity, but at times, you know, intermittently, if you get five hours, but if there's enough deep in there, you don't have to stress about it. You don't have to get in your head and get that whole placebo thing going. Mm. Um, 100%. 100%. And then the last thing I'd say is I do believe an hour of sleep before midnight is as good as two hours after midnight. Agreed. So if mm. you go to bed at 9.30 or 10 o'clock, you know, that's a healthy time to go to bed. If you go to bed at 1 a.m. and sleep till 9 or 10 in the morning, I don't see that being as healthy. And, no. um, Plus you're missing the best, best part of the day. Sleep. Yeah, you're missing the morning. You got slam balls to do. Come on. Um, but some of the best sleepers that I've seen in terms of like their sleep data, they go to bed early. Mm. They go to bed very early. Yeah. What, what do you, I know you, you're a big fan of fasting and do you think mm. fasting has benefits for sleep over time as well? Or, and also, mm-hmm. and also in line with that question, um, surely, you, you know, people aren't just going straight into a three day fast with water only. They must have to, how, how would you uh, prescribe that for someone who's never done it before? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, man. Great question, Bram. And um, so, so let me start with, I think that we underestimate the impact that the gut has on sleep. Mm. So in terms of why I like fasting, uh, it gives the body an opportunity to repair itself. Mm. You know, we are a product of mother nature. And if you have ever been camping or hiking, you've probably seen leave no trace signs, Mm. right? Signs that say, pick up your, your trash, leave, don't do no harm, leave no trace. Mother nature can take care of herself. She just, she can't have you throwing trash on the ground. Right. And so when we never give our gut a break, right, we never detoxify properly or we, we bombard our bodies with too much food or we don't have enough kind of periods of, don't have enough time where the gut has an opportunity to kind of catch up and dare I say, get ahead mm. to actually heal itself that's a major issue. So uh, one of the reasons I love fasting is because it improves metabolic health, but the healthier your gut is, the better you sleep. Mm. And so most people, one of the kind of hacks that I'll use to test the gut's effect on somebody's sleep is I'll have them stop eating at two, three, four o'clock in the afternoon. 
Mm. And when they go to bed on an empty stomach, but that doesn't mean they're hungry. Mm. Maybe they stopped eating at four. I mean, you should be able to survive. Um, if your sleep dramatically improves, it's a sign you should do that more often because your gut's a little beat down. Mm. Um, mm. Now, as it relates to fasting, I think that, you know, every major religion since the beginning of time has incorporated some type of fasting, most of them anyway. It's been around a long time. There's a lot of, of kind of historical evidence that it's a good idea. And more, more recently, a ton of evidence, whether it's dementia, cancer. Mm. I know a lot of people that have had cancer diagnoses, and the first thing they do is they go on a 14-day water fast. Wow. You know, fasting is one of the most important things for our longevity, uh, as is caloric restriction. Now, it doesn't necessarily, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of kind of ways to do it. So intermittent fasting, right? Eating, say, eight hours a day and fasting 16 hours a day, right? Mm. So you also called time-restricted eating. So restricting the window between your first and last calories is an incredibly effective way. But if of improving health, biomarkers, metabolic health, cardiovascular risk, all these things, obesity, of course. Um, now, if we kind of step back from that, it's saying that, We'll, we'll use eight hours as an example, mm. because when rats, when rats in a cage go from 14 hours to 12 hours, first calorie to last calorie, they get healthier. Mm. When they go from 12 to 10, they get healthier. When they go from 10 to eight, they get healthier. Mm. So that's pretty much where the research tends to end, at least a lot of the stuff I've seen. But so this eight hour mark, eight hours from your first calorie to your last calorie seems to extend life. But... When you think about that, this is a, you know, a bunch of rats in a cage that don't have jobs, kids, traffic, responsibilities, workouts. They're also not anticipating food. So one of the things that drives me crazy is the fact that people use apps to schedule their fasting. Right. It's like if you're watching, ever, your grandmother always say like a, a watched kettle never boils or whatever the expression is. So now you're creating an emotional attachment, a, a deprivation, a... There's a whole cascade. Yeah. So you can't do it that way. And breakfast, lunch, and dinner right. is a is a fake exper man. experiment. Yeah, it's something that was designed recently. It's not even real. Yeah, I think it was like World War II, I yeah. think. Something. It's crazy. But, um, but when we think about that, so we take the rats that are eating eight hours a day and fasting 16 hours a day, and we say, what does that tell us? What it tells us is, when we have an average feeding window of eight hours or 10 hours, we, our health improves. Mm. Well, that's an average. So that means a 24-hour fast every week might be just as effective as a daily intermittent fast because we're supporting that average. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if my daily feeding window is 10 to 12 hours because it works with my lifestyle and I got to get my kids to school, and but then I have one day where I fast dinner to dinner, well, guess what? Your average is still there. Now, you could go even more extreme. You could do a three-day every every so often and just reset the system. I want to try and that. And so mm. the, all sorts of ways work. Basically, any way that you give your body a break, cut calories, give your body a total break from food, you end up getting to what's called autophagy, which is your body's natural order. So when you are fasting and you're not, you're not anabolically fueled, mm. Your body says, I'm getting rid of the weak, sick old cells that have been slowing this thing down. Like the only reason these cells, the 
The only reason why these cells have been sticking around is because we've had so much food that we've been able to get by, even though half these cells are not doing their job. Well, now we're on restricted wow. calories. We're going to get rid of them all. Yeah. Right. So that's why fasting works. Yeah. Now, cool. um, last part of your question was how does how do people kind of dive into this? Now, start with intermittent fasting. Mm. Start with a weekly twenty-four. There's no one out there that can't survive a twenty-four hour fast. Come mm. on, mm. our ancestors did it. Uh, now, obviously, talk to your doc if you have any medical conditions. Don't say I told you to do it. But um, <laughs> I believe any just about anybody can survive a twenty-four hour fast. Yep. It's a good place to start. Don't go from the couch to to five k. Don't go from the couch to a three day fast. Um, but as you kind of get into it, start small, but then do some fat adaption, right? So mm. cut carbohydrate, cut sugar, get your body more used to being a little calorically deprived. I want to share this with you because I, I want to see what you think of this. And I, and I, I, yeah. th- I thoroughly agree with, you know, start slow, 24 hours, 48, 72. Um, mm. I tried the keto diet for two weeks. Um, I've done paleo for, for years, but I tried the keto diet for two yeah. weeks um, to the point where I even was measuring my glucose and, and the like. And, mm-hmm. um, and I felt terrible on day four, five, and six, right? To the point where, mm-hmm. I, where at the end of the two weeks, I just paid it off and, and made a lot of statements about how crap it was. And, yeah. and I was eating the right things. I was using, a, I was using actually, it was Pete Evans. I was using a lot of, a lot of stuff that Pete Evans puts out there. I quite like Pete. And, yeah, he's um, awesome. I just yeah. did a show with him as well. Yeah, he is a good – yeah, and, and he gets a, a bad rap from a lot of people in Australia because he is non-conventional, but anyway, whatever. And in the last six weeks – so that was a few months ago. And then I, and then I had a, a week of eating normally. The last six weeks, mm-hmm. I did my bloods at the start and I went carnivore mm. and I was fine. And, yeah. and interest – yeah, I didn't feel like crap. I didn't feel flat. I didn't feel sick, blah, blah, blah. And, and I did my bloods and all of my biomarkers were better and my cholesterol was lower. My cholesterol was low anyway. My cholesterol was lower. And so what it made me realize is that while I was on the keto, I was, and I was eating things on the keto like avocado in small amounts and salads and, and green stuff as well as the meat, you know, a lot of meat, but not, nowhere near what I'm eating now. And it, and it made me realize that a lot of the salad stuff I was eating, I have a reaction to that, you know, and, and obviously, mm. and obviously um, breads and potatoes and, and starchy things and carbohydrates, high density carbohydrate things um, when you're not doing keto or, or carnivore diet makes, makes you feel fat, bloated and crook anyway, you know, but you know, the gluten, yeah. but it was interesting for me because the other thing I took from that is some diets are really good for some people, you know, and some, and we don't know enough about the individualization of these, of these diets. I'm really good on lots of meat, you know, and, and very it might little, not be forever though. Maybe not. Maybe so that's not. the big thing is, so diet is one cog in the wheel. So, mm. When we look at what makes somebody healthy, it kind of gets back to the cumulative stress concept. Diet is only one cog in the wheel. Mm. The other cogs are healthy relationships, sun exposure, earthing, grounding, spirituality, mindfulness, exercise, strength, fitness, function, uh, stress, right? So financial stress or lack thereof, job security, um, happiness, purpose, 
So every one of these things are a cog in the wheel. Now, because so many of these cogs are, I don't want to say outside of our control, but harder to change or take longer to change, nutrition is just the lowest hanging fruit. It's the easiest thing for us all to focus on. But if we had, here's the deal. If we all had perfect relationships, perfect amounts of sun exposure, we jumped in the ocean every single day, we uh, spent time with our guy friends, our girlfriends, our kids, we uh, took the requisite amount of, uh, we had the requisite amount of physical activity every single day, diet, dare I say, would be less important. Yeah, I see, and I see what you're saying. Indian, and, and so, yeah, okay, so really. So in the context of your current, yeah. In the context of your current, um, hmm. you know, what is the Native American pole there with all the different animal heads on it? What's that thing called? Totem. Totem pole? Yeah. In the, in the context of your current totem pole, a carnivorous diet works the best. Yeah, because I'm right? eliminating I'm eliminating a few things now I think of it. Like, I'm an, I'm an eliminate. it's a perfect elimination diet. I love steak. Let's eat it. I, I don't mind fish and chicken and let's eat that. And, and also... To get up in the morning and throw a rump steak on a barbecue takes 15 minutes. I'm eliminating a whole heap of other work. So it's lowering my stress in those areas. It may not be the diet at all. I don't know. I don't know. And then I guess as I slowly reintroduce salady type stuff, I'll get to the point where I'll, I'll be able to see what's, what may be affecting my gut health. Just do it carefully. Do it slowly. Uh, the carnivore diet is the ultimate elimination diet, mm. right? So it's, you know, it's, it's it's the only choice for some people um, because figuring out exactly your magic mix takes a lot of work. Mm. Now, I'm Italian. I like food. Mate, I was going to say, I, I, like, I like cheeses and olives and I have a Mediterranean, like maybe let's say seven generations, eight generations, Spanish somewhere in the mix, you know, Irish, Spanish. Right. So um, yeah, there's a definite there's there's a there's a definite uh, learned response to some foods and wine. That's for sure. Yeah, it's like you know, if you said to me like Joe, if uh, starting now you're 34, you're gonna live three years longer if you eat nothing but meat from now until the day you die. I'd be like, keep the three years. Yeah, I'd be I'd be miserable because yeah, yeah, yeah. it would be miserable. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's just getting in line and knowing your objectives and da, 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 da. But know that it's, it's an elimination diet. So a lot of people can't tolerate nuts, right? And a lot of paleo people are eating a shitload of nuts. Can I swear yeah. on this thing? A yeah, lot, a lot of paleo people are eating a ton of almonds, a yeah. ton of nuts. And in super high doses for long periods of time, they yeah. can cause a lot of distress. Yeah. So I've seen people sleep dramatically improve just by getting rid of nuts. But that person might not suspect nuts, but when they go carnivorous, now they feel better, but it's not because of the meat. It's because you get rid of the nut. Got it. And so there's, there's way, but so don't, I don't want to call it lazy, but the carnivore diet is kind of a lazy man's elimination diet. It's like, mm. well, I don't know what exactly is making me suboptimal. It's not the meat that's going to make me better, but it's, I'm just going to get rid of everything except the one thing that mm. no one's allergic to. Well, watch this so, space. I'll, I'll, I'll keep everyone sort of informed on how I'm going with it and we'll, we'll work out what it is that is a limiting factor in my diet, but um, just the other thing too, real quick on your keto thing. So I love that you didn't have a good experience because most people that are diving into quote keto, 
they should just be on low carb. Like mm. low carb is sustainable. You can, you can do it for a long time. There's not a lot of work. There's not a lot of downside. You don't get the keto flu. Uh, there's so many benefits and you're going to get 99.9% of all the benefits you want with keto. Mm. Just eating way less carbs or having carbs only in one meal a day or only in your evening meal. So you're getting the benefits of low carb all day and then you're putting them at the end of the day. So your body's kind of getting that metabolic flexibility. But so many people diving into keto because there's now the fad and the, mm. the dogma. Uh, most of them should just go low carb for a long time and, and make it easier on themselves. Help me, Joe, with coffee, strategic use of coffee rather than emotional dependence, which I have at the moment. Um, well, I love coffee. Uh, you know, it's kind of my jam. I've got an espresso maker here at the house and I, I love coffee. I, um, I don't wish coffee restriction upon anybody, but 50% of us, it's not good for about half the population. Mm. So there's fast and slow, there's fast and slow metabolizers of caffeine, which means some people, if you drink coffee and it gives you, uh, the jitters or you feel anxious or anything like that, then maybe it's not good for you. Maybe you should either go with something that's a little bit easier on the system, like green tea, or maybe you should avoid it altogether. Now, if you're like me and you don't seem to have much of an upper limit, your body just digs it, and, um, and you like the ritual, I think that rituals are very important. So even if I catch a little bit of flack for the amount of coffee, and I don't have a ton, I'll have two shots, two double shots a day usually. Mm. Um, but they're all before, they're all before 11 o'clock in the morning or so. Mm, mm. Um, I don't drink coffee after, after that. Um, but I think that rituals are very healthy. Having a consistent start to your day. Uh, I think coffee fits perfectly into that. So, it is the ultimate human performance drug, isn't it? Really? It is. Caffeine is yeah. one of the most studied, you know, caffeine, creatine and metformin are probably the three, yeah. <laughs> the three most researched drugs out there. But, um, so I would say, Bram, I don't, I don't want to support your coffee thing. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to talk you out of it or anything. But I would say that number one, get your own motor running before you drink coffee. Don't mm. roll out of bed and and push it back to as a crutch. Mm. Get out. I'll send you my book, Breathe Better, Move Better. It's my morning routine. I just put it in an ebook. Uh, do that. Go outside. Get some sun. Shake it out. Mm. Do some mobility work. Do some breath work. Take a cold shower, uh, and then enjoy your coffee mm. know where your beans came from appreciate the smell of them uh make coffee in different ways sometimes maybe use an aeropress australians you guys have some of the best coffee yeah. shops and some of the best coffee it's suppliers true. out there we do so anyone's listening in los angeles one of my sponsors is ironside coffee so um check them out hey i've watched right. i've watched the sun slowly disappear over your left shoulder there but before i let you go before i let you go ben greenfield right is he a biohacking mastermind or is he simply an amazing specimen of a Spartan or a Greek who would have always ended up like that anyway? Cause I know listen, he is one of the first podcasts I ever listened to years ago. I yeah. used to listen to the Ben Greenfield podcast and he inspired me really to, to go down this route before anyone in Australia was doing this. Um, yeah. human optimization, leadership, resilience. He, he, he once did an Ironman triathlon on hardly any training, just sprint training. He's a physical freak or or is he a biohacking mastermind? What do you think? Well, Ben, first of all, he is the hardest, he's probably the hardest working guy that I know. And when I know, when, when I say that, 
I mean quality work. So a lot of people are busy. That doesn't make you hardworking. Mm. Okay. So mm. Ben is ruthlessly focused and puts in the work for everything he has. Okay. Now you combine that sort of type A mentality with a brain that is not a brain that most people have. I mean, I've looked up to Ben for a long time. We've been friends for a long time. Him and I are very different in that I would never be able to reach the brain capacity of Ben, right? He can listen to books at four times speed and absorb everything. He can write a 10,000 word article on a bus in Costa Rica on the way to go whitewater rafting. Uh, so he's, his skill set is he was given, he was gifted with an incredible skill set and it's matched with a relentless, a very consistent, a very um, regimented routine where he's always putting himself in a situation where he can get work done. Yeah. And um, again, I think, I think a lot of people are busy, but anybody that hangs out with Ben, that, that's, that's hard work. Yeah. I thought he was, you know what? I've often thought to myself, that's a special dude. And it's not, it's not due to the, the biohacking that he does. He, he already is pretty impressive. So when he was into his Ironman stuff, um, he's not doing as much of that because it's not very good for longevity. Mm. Um, so his biohacking stuff, that's been his, his shtick. But I would say that when he did all that Ironman stuff, he was doing pretty basic stuff compared to like the biohacking we have now. Mm. I mean, I don't know if we had a pulse center, uh, PEMF device and uh, all this when he was doing that. Mm. So um, he's put in the work. Mm. Um, he's incredibly bright. And when, 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 what is it? Um, when opportunity matches preparedness, there we go. Mm. Hey Joe, what is RKC? Uh, it's a Russian kettlebell. It used to be called the Russian Kettlebell Challenge, but now it's the Russian Kettlebell Certification, but mm. I still treat it as a challenge. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a two or three day weekend uh, where you are judged and critiqued on your kettlebell form. And there's both technique and teaching tests as well as performance tests. And it's, so, br- it's brutal. I love it. It's brutal, isn't it? It's yeah. pretty difficult to pass. It's pretty difficult, man. It's, um, I've talked a lot about it. Uh, and I've got programs if anyone wants to dive into it on my website. But mm. um, yeah, so there's weight classes. So, you know, the bell that you've got to use for the weekend is going to be a little heavier than the one that you might use at the gym or in your garage. Mm. So you got to make sure you're trained. No one's walking into the RKC and uh, walking out with a t-shirt if they, if they didn't put in the work. Um, but I like it because it's a physically demanding workout that you uh, weekend that you can't no, no one, not everyone gets a trophy. Mm. And I think, I don't think there's enough things like that in the world anymore. Agreed. Um, so if you can't hang, you can't hang. And, um, it's an amazingly their education. So if you want to learn how to do the kettlebell swing, or you think you know how to do a getup, but you don't really like, this is the place to take your skills from good to great. Mm. And, um, they also have a program called the HKC where it's not, you don't have the performance test. It's mm. just skill-based. It's just, mm. let's see if you can do this. Let's learn how to do these things. But um, what I appreciate about the RKC is the, is the performance testing because, you know, I don't know many personal training certifications out there, 
that want to know that you can burn 200 calories in 10 minutes on a fan bike before we're going to tell you you're a coach. Oh. So, yeah, that's not, well, that's not an RKC score. I just made no. that up. No, no, no. Yeah. The RKC have equally devastating challenges. The problem is every time I think of a fan bike, I think of that thing sitting in my shed that just has my sweat all over it and, and I don't get any better at it. Well, you know why? You're going too hard. Yeah, it bloody hates me. Here's here's your homework, and I dare you to do this. And do I, I would love what I would got? love a photo. Here's what you're gonna do. Tomorrow, mm. popsicle stick between your teeth, mm. get on the fan bike for an hour. Mm. Okay. And and what am I achieving you're on the fan nose bike? Breathe. You're gonna nose breathe. Hopefully you'll do five to six hundred calories. Mm. Okay. Now the popsicle stick between your teeth. You're going to be doing some really cool stuff in your brainstem, but more importantly, you're going to nose breathe. Mm. And I think we all work out too hard if we work out with our mouth closed mm. and ease up on the intensity and sustain it. You get a lot bitter. You build a much bigger base, mm. and you feel a lot better. I'm going to give this we're, a crack. We're, no worries. We're improving your body's ability to produce energy instead of wasting all your energy. It'll be all over Instagram by the end of the weekend. Hey, right, Joe, where can, where can the Australian listeners find out more about you and what you're about and, you, and your books and just everything that you do? Yeah, man. Well, so coachjoedi is my website.com, coachjoedi.com. That's my Instagram. Uh, joedi is my Facebook. YouTube is coachjoedi. And uh, runga is rungalife.com. And we're runga life on Instagram. Uh, if you want to follow us there as well. Mm. I really want to thank you for being a, a guest on the Warrior You podcast. And, you know, the population of America is so big that the quality of coaches that comes out of there is just incredible, you know. So it's great to be able to reach into America and talk to people like yourself. Hell yeah, man. It's a great time. Thanks for having me, Bram. Thanks, Joe. This week, I'd like to thank my newest Patreon donators, Jesse Gatley and Jake Brinton. Thanks so much for the $25 a month pledge. I'm going to organize a Warrior U t-shirt for you both. If anyone else would like to support the show, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash warrior U. That's www.patreon.com forward slash warrior U. Patreon's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And finally, to end the show, this week, the podcasts I have personally listened to have been, well, the Learning Leaders podcast, actually, with Ryan Hawke, and that was pretty much it for this week. Thanks, everyone, and remember, live a life worth living. Catch you later. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.